Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. Welcome to part four of our discussion on the doctrine of total depravity. Uh, Romans 9, 16 says, uh, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has uh, given mercy. Um... Romans 9. Is that is that a passage that comes up in Calvinism? I've read that once or twice. I think yeah. it, I think this may be... Well, no, I think we may have referenced it one other time. So what I typically hear in some of our groups is that Romans 9 is our only passage, but at least so far, that's the only time it's come up. Well, and I, I think Romans 9 is a great passage about God's sovereign choice, which is the title in the ESV of that pericope. Um, I, I would I would love to talk to an Arminian and say, based on Romans nine fourteen through eighteen, was Pharaoh able to choose righteousness? Probably not. Sure, seems like God had intent in right. Pharaoh that his. God's plans would have been spoiled otherwise. Yeah, and I do want, yeah, so. And then I think the response in verse 19 bears out that reading of the previous paragraph. Right, I don't want to jump ahead, but so I have it in our notes to come back to. But I do want to talk about um, free will and natural choosing. But that's, let's finish up. We got a few other scriptures. How are we doing on time? We're good. I told you it was two hours. <laughs> this is another, another multi, multi-session. Uh, it was supposed to be two. What's that? What are we at? We're in the oh, middle yeah. of four. Yeah. That's, I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, so who supplies the faith? So uh, just Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, for by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God so that no one may boast. Um, well, and, and I think that's a great passage. Um, I think people frequently have their ways to kind of check that off and get around it. But, you know, you can go to other places, Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. Um, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And I think the point there is Paul is saying it, that your suffering has been granted to you mm-hmm. by God. But the prerequisite to that is that your faith has been granted to you mm-hmm. by God. Um, I have First Corinthians three six. This is is he dealing with this subject? No, but I think we can take this principle out. He says, "I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Mm-hmm. It, it was of God." Um, Acts sixteen fourteen talks about Lydia, um, seller of purple, who was a worshiper of God. And it says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul, uh, what was said by Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's lots of these other than, you know, the just Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which I think, like you said, is a good verse. Uh, Acts eleven eighteen. when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Um, 1348, do you have that down? Which one? Acts. No, go ahead. 
And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Um, I mean, it, or I don't remember the passage offhand, but uh, God tells Paul to stay in Corinth because he has many there that Paul is appointed to bring to salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, or Jesus in John 10 talks about having sheep of another fold, mm-hmm. the Gentiles that he must bring in and have one shepherd, one, one flock. Mm-hmm. Uh, can men do anything to help themselves? Um, where I read Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses. Um, Colossians 2.13 says, and you were dead in your trespasses trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us for our trespasses. The ultimate result is that no one boasts. Mm-hmm. We don't boast in ourselves. We boast in Christ. We uh, boast that we were chosen of Him, not not of ourselves. So, um, anything you want to say before we move on to some objections and the other verses you were wanting to hit? All right. So objections. Um, some have said. <laughs> That if God holds us responsible, that must mean we have the ability to respond. Yeah, um, I heard this from Leighton Flowers, and I believe it was the Romans 9 debate that he had with James White. And uh, I would say that's just a, what is it, the source word fallacy? or Yeah. Um, I, I think he's putting together what sounds like response and able, but it... It doesn't come from able to respond. That's that's not what it means. Right. And so, um, I, that that's just not a very good argument. Right. Is responsible. Right. Yeah. And if you go look it up, it doesn't have any. The definition doesn't have to do with able to respond. It has to do with um, bearing responsibility for right. things. It, it, so it, it's just not a good argument. It sounds good, though. Right. And we haven't actually explicitly talked about it. We kind of implicitly talked about it. This idea of... Um, the actual word slipped my mind. Uh, this will get edited out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam Sin's concept, original sin. Oh, yeah. Um, I couldn't think of the original part of it. Um, Which Augustine made up, right? Right. Yeah. 500 years later? Right. So it happens to do Augustine with... Augustine was less than 500 years after Jesus. <laughs> so uh, most people might think that original sin means Adam's first sin, but it it's connected to that, but it means that as we were born, we were born with we're, our original out of the press when we were molded, we were shaping with original sin. So this respond and responsible, <clears throat> in one way, we've already responded. Mm-hmm. We responded in Adam. And you could say, well, that's not fair. Well, I'm convinced that if any one of us were in the garden, we would have eventually sinned. Um, so it's not like, oh, man, it was unfair. The God who's the God of the, the whole earth who we can trust to be a good judge 
is not going to put a bad representative in there for us. He chose Adam, made him perfect. Um, I'm sure he was buff and could you know bench press 450 or more. Is that what you think? 455? <laughs> I'd probably go like 600. 600. Or, yeah. Um, but I don't think he was a bad, it wasn't like a straw man representation of humanity. He was a good representative. And we responded in Adam. We, we chose, we, we sinned. And there's several ways that can be cashed out as a federal head, as in, you know, we're genetically bound up in his loins, um, some would say. Uh, but we did respond, and now we're being judged for it. And God merciless, merc, not mercilessly, mercifully, draw some of us back to him. Uh, we already talked about no good deeds. John 12, do you want to talk about Jesus drawing all men to himself when he's lifted up? Yeah, uh, we can. Yeah, that's, let me flip there. I was in Romans 5. Um, so in John 12, starting in verse 27, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So if we just take this as, let's just, for the benefit of the doubt, that God is drawing every single person. If we were to pair this up with what we just read in John 6, where all that the Father gives him, Jesus doesn't lose any of them, mm -hmm. and he will raise them all up on the last day. Either our understanding of salvation is really, really wrong, or everyone is going to be saved because Jesus is, going, Jesus is drawing all men to him. I don't think I, I, either one of those conclusions are sound. So I think maybe our understanding of either John 6 would be wrong or this understanding of John 12 would be wrong. Right. Um, and there is, in John 6, you have twice. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And then later in John 6... Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Um, and, you know, I think in John 17, Jesus says, I've kept them all except for the son of perdition. So in John, you have a clear prophetical understanding by Christ of Judas and his non-salvation. So universalism, I mean, I, everybody in this argument would agree that universalism is out. So then the question is, where is there room to insert all are drawn, but not all are raised? Mm -hmm. And I would say, first of all, I don't think John 12 is intending to address the topic the way that they wanted to address it. I think it's a verse cherry picked out of context. I mean, John himself follows it up by saying, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. 
there's a purpose to that statement that's immediately given in context. And, you know, again, like with the first John 2, 2, and like with the other passages we looked at in Limited Atonement, you've got a kind of drive-by statement that's not the purpose. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe we do that sometimes, but it completely contradicts, in my opinion, what is said in John 6 about all that are given come to me, all that come will be raised up. So now we have a difference between what are drawn to the sun and what are given to the sun, or are they drawn different? I mean, because Jesus in John 6 talks about drawing men to him, um, and in John 12, it's drawing men to, are they two different types of, right. I mean, it just. I, I don't I, see, if we go, if we, like what we said from our presuppositions on the outset, that the Bible's inerrant and there's not contradictions. We have to harmonize these two passages. Which yeah. one is the clearer passage that's actually dealing with salvation and how that works? Which one is the lesser clear? And is there a way to understand that that harmonizes and doesn't do harm to the text with the other clear passages? And I think so. He's raised up and in the Roman centurion says, truly this was the Son of God. Maybe he's drawing all types of men to him, Jews and Gentiles from every tongue and tribe and nation um, to be his bride. And I don't disagree with that, but I would still go back to the point where John specifically says, this is why Jesus made that statement, and it has nothing to do with the scope of drawing. It has to do with something else. It's indicating, and they, and that's, and they well, get that. say that. He said this for this purpose, but he's still talking about drawing people to him. Yes, I, I do agree with that, and I do agree that he will draw all. Um, I would argue it's all kinds of men, but right. the, the immediate response that he gets shows they were talking about something else. Right. Because they respond and say, you're, the, you're claiming to be the Christ, but the Christ remains forever, so how can the Son of Man... I mean, they're, they're focused in on his intention, which was crucifixion. Right. And that's how they respond. So to come in and cherry-pick that one verse out and say, see, universal provenient grace, God draws everybody, I'm going, uh, I, don't, I don't see that. Right. The, yeah, and, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think we're, sometimes we call this violent agreement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the purpose was to show what kind of death, but but I think we need, do need to do something with what kind of drawing is he is he doing. It's not a meaningless phrase, and if it can't be harmonized, I don't think, with all the scripture we've read mm -hmm. to mean that he draws all men to himself like what we're talking about. Um, right, and I guess my point is, it, it is an oblique reference in passing. I don't say we throw it away or act like Jesus didn't say it, but when we go to John 6 where he's specifically and didactically teaching about drawing and giving and raising up, that is the passage that has to rule and, and give us the base by which we interpret the John 12 passage. It well, seems like... And, and it's not just John 6. It was no, I, the, I a myriad of other passages agree. we read where, you know, Paulus, Paul planted, Paulus watered, God gave the increase. Right. Well, God I granted guess, repentance. All those other places where... And I agree with that. What I'm, I guess what I'm responding to is, I've heard people say, John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. But in John 12, he says, I will draw all people to myself, as if there's not 
five chapters of content. I mean, it's not a continuation of the same discussion. Right. That's that's my point. Is they go draw, draw. There you go. And right, yeah, yes. Yeah. That, that's it's, what I'm. It's a different against. conversation. It's a different day. It's a different time in Jesus's ministry. Mm-hmm. He's nigh on to, uh, you know, he's heading to crucifixion in, in John 12. He's ramping up. Yeah. Um, whereas before, he's really kind of in the middle of his ministry and where the crowds are starting to accumulate. So, yeah, different, different passages, yeah, and I guess not related. Just automatically going draw, draw, sandwich them together, uh, that's invalid. Right. You can't do that. Right. And if you did try to do that, you're going to come up with some bad conclusions Absolutely. if you hold the other ones uh, there. Um, so the last objection I had, unless you had others, was I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about free will, natural choices, once we, uh, as a Thomist, one who follows Thomas Aquinas' teaching, uh, maybe not on all doctrines, but on his general philosophy, he would have a, and we kind of had some of this, well, maybe more of it, uh, the discussion on free will versus determinism. Some people have this middle category of compatibilism. So free will, j- just for those who aren't tracking it, and I'll specify libertarian free will means that could have done otherwise. Um, CDO could do otherwise. So I chose to do this, but it's only libertarian free will if I also could have chosen to do the opposite or, or something else. Determinism would be at the far end of the other uh, spectrum where we are determined to do what we're, and we have no choice in it. Compatibilism, which I think is the correct in between at least with regards to salvation and that's what we're talking about i've heard some people say well i can't be a calvinist because it's hard for me to believe that god determines every single one of my choices not to launch into a whole another discussion but calvinism properly scoped is not talking about all your other choices you might be able to make some application to all your other choices but we're talking specifically about your your salvation um everything else doesn't necessarily follow right yeah it could you know there are that might but but not necessarily so compatibilism would be that middle ground where it says i chose i chose freely but i didn't really have another choice but it was a free i freely chose to do this and you could i've heard some um say like if i offered one of my children a cookie did they freely choose the cookie (laughs) yeah but me you know setting up the circumstance where i offer the cookie it's almost as if they had no choice because they're they they're going to choose all the time for that cookie which leads me over to thomism because thomas would say and other scholastic philosophers of his time would say those terms that we just said, free will, compatibilism, determinism, would have been foreign to them. And they would have framed it in the nature. It is our nature to choose. It's of the nature of of a child to choose a cookie. They are choosing out of their nature. Mm. Just like a dog couldn't choose to fly because it's not of the nature of a dog to fly. Um, And so what what we're saying is as we are children of adam it's now in our nature to choose sin that's that's our nature and we cannot of ourselves choose other 
because our nature has been changed, which when we get to you know, some of the other doctrines, we get to Christ our sinner, center, not sinner, um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we have a change mm-hmm. in um, our nature, and now we can start choosing right. Anything you would add or um, comment? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting to the free will discussion late in here. Um, I guess we're going to do more on the unconditional election. Well, I I just wanted to... I, I, I believe in what might... I don't know what the best term would be. I don't think I'm a full determinist, but I would say I'm maybe more of a hard compatibilist or a high compatibilist mm-hmm. or something. Um, I believe that God has decreed from all eternity past how history will go, not just in the broad arcs, but in the details and the particulars. At the same time, I don't believe humans are forced to do anything, but that they do out of their nature and out of a creaturely free will, not a libertarian autonomous free will, because only God has that, but out of a creaturely free will, I do what I want to do. And the, the reprobate will be judged based on acting in accordance with their desires. They will, they will be judged for choosing to sin. Um, was that according to their nature because they're fallen in Adam? Yes, but it was also what they wanted to do. And so I think frequently um, I, it seems like Arminianism is trying to solve a problem there that I don't think is a problem. Do we fully understand it? No, I don't think we have the mental capacity to have God's perspective and fully reconcile all of these things. But I think the scriptures are explicit and clear that we are sinners by nature because of our fall in our federal head, Adam. And unless God first does something which I believe is full salvific something, not partial prevenient something, unless that something occurs by God first, we will never have a new nature that is capable of choosing to do what is good and right and pleasing in his sight. Yeah, and I don't I don't think I disagree with anything. I'll I'll go back and listen to the podcast. I'm not arguing with you. No, no, I, yeah. I said I don't think I disagree with anything you said. Okay. I, I would say that I might take it one step further, which and I don't know why because we've had this discussion. It makes you uncomfortable. I think it makes you uncomfortable because some have wielded it for evil and not for Uh-oh, good. It's the big M. <laughs> no, I don't, we don't even have to say the word. But. Well, either one has an M. Uh, yeah, I guess they do, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, those words would be middle knowledge and Molinism. So. Uh, Dr. Bill Craig has tried to wield Molinism in a way, middle knowledge. And I I don't know all that the original guy for which Molinism is named. And you all know I have problems with, with names, especially if I can't see him. If I can see them, I'm a visual guy. If I can see his name written down, I can probably uh, pronounce oh, it. Oh, I don't know. I was just going to write Molinism down for you. Oh, no, I can pronounce <laughs> Molinism. I don't know. What, I know it's something like Moline or something like that. Okay. Y'all can look it up. But um, tell us in the comments. <laughs> so I think that he does everything that you just described by through middle knowledge. So 
I don't think any circumstance that God could put us in, and like a normal circumstance, could be considered like God is doing something immoral to us. Um, or a set of circumstances where we grow and we he weaves our will so that he, God could harden Pharaoh's heart through the set of circumstances that Pharaoh has endured from you know, a young man to older where he, he comes to these conclusions or that he could soften someone else's heart through make and and for me that's you know all you know his dna his the experiences that he has and therefore god being this all-powerful all-wise being uh, is able to um, achieve his ends but not force these creatures to choose according to their will they choose freely according to their will to rebel against god and in that way god can Sovereignly decree the events, but not be um, sullied in the sins of the creatures that are actually carrying out those events. I think the difference between us, that I, as I would describe it, would be how active or passive is God in the doing of it. And middle knowledge in Molinism seems to me to be a little more passive and I would I would argue more for God having an active decree that he's not looking at Pharaoh and picking the circumstances from a list or a group of options, but that he is decreeing the way things will go all the while still not violating Pharaoh's free will and forcing him to evil that he doesn't want to do. But yeah, I've, not that's not for today, really. Yeah, I would just say one one other response. I would say I agree. He decreed that Pharaoh would would harden his heart and allow God to demonstrate God's um, greatness over the God, those small g gods of Egypt, and that God brought Pharaoh up in that time and in that place to show God, to bring glory to God, to God himself. How does he do that? Middle knowledge. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only thing I would say. That's how God actively accomplishes those decrees without you know, causing anyone to sin. So anything else on total depravity? Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. I think this will be four episodes. So this should be the end of our fourth episode on total depravity if we keep it about 30 minutes straight. So uh, join us next time as we look at unconditional election and God's um, choosing only those who will choose him. I'm pretty sure that's not what we believe. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you. Hold an awkward <laughs> That concludes our discussion on the doctrine of total depravity. Next week, we will begin our discussion of the doctrine of unconditional election. You've been listening to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology.